Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 173 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Yeah, a very exciting week in the league. We had a lot of chaotic results. We saw Vieira bounce back. We saw uh, an unenthusiastic Derby go nil-nil, and we saw another one probably be the game of the of the year so far in 2023 in Arsenal United. So uh, I think it answered a lot of questions for me, seeing that these teams play um, highly competitive co- um, competition. And also it, it really made me have more questions for other teams. So uh, a lot to get into, but it, uh, it kept me involved all weekend. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we had some absolutely unbelievable games, obviously. A a very, very, very good weekend for me. Um, This is sort of, I would say this is probably the sports season of my life. Um, I've been asked many times, like, where is your ranking, like, for for your teams? Like, who do you care about the most? And Arsenal's obviously number one. They've always been the team that I care about the most. Every game I watch, no matter where I am, I either listen or I watch it. I was actually on a golf course for the Derby. I had to listen to the whole thing um, (laughs) over my phone while I was playing. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's been an absolutely unbelievable season so far. And, uh, I don't I really don't even know what to do with myself right now. I'm not it's tough because now we're at the point where it's like kind of is Arsenal's title to lose. I feel like people say that in jest. They've said it in jest for for years and years and years even in in 15 when we placed second. But this team does not feel like that team that feels much different. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a moment that you've thought's been coming but Maybe it's a little too soon in your mind. You have yeah. to kind of readjust things. But for me, I think I think Arsenal are doing the best at this point. But I feel like City are still right there, and yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to say I'm not ready to be naive and say that it's Arsenal's to lose. Really, even though it should be, but there's a long season to go. You still have to play them twice in the league, and also you got them in the FA Cup this weekend. Yeah, I think having them in the FA Cup is going to be a really good test. Um, we're going to get a chance to sort of see, you know, how they pair up against a team that's in this sort of form. Um, it's been very important for us that City drop points. They do have that, that loss that was like two weeks ago at this point, which was clutch. Um, but it's just not a team you can count out, you know. I will say up to last week when City were seven points behind us before we get into the games, Pep Guardiola has never won a league title seven points behind but if there is one coach that has ever existed that would do it and and knock off a team that's in the form that arsenal is in it it would absolutely be pep he is the great i think the greatest manager to ever live i mean in my opinion definitely the best one i've ever seen and i think even pundits you know who who've gotten to watch all different sorts of managers even uh, sir alex ferguson pep is is a different breed of of coach so it's. Uh, I don't think it's over yet. Obviously, I think it, it's going to be a very tight one, and I can totally see you know, on the final day of the season, Pep being the one that they gets to put his hand on the trophy. But I hope for my sake that's not the case. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, so I'm gonna we're gonna do our our bounce uh, strategy. I'll give you the first game. We'll move to me, and then you know so on and so forth. First game: Crystal Palace one, Manchester United one. Break this one down for us, buddy. Yeah, we started the week off with a bit of a heartbreak. There, we saw United dominate the ball a bit with sixty uh, percent. Palace really struggled in the first half. Had a few chances here and there. Uh, didn't come. The first goal didn't come until the forty fourth. We had a Bruno Fernandez goal, uh, ball worked down the left-hand side for United, Rashford wins it, Erickson 1-2 with Bruno, a little drag back, and puts it in the top corner, and then from there on, United looked like they're in cruise control, Palace tried to make a few changes here, bring in some X-Factors, a little more uh, size up front to hold up the play and challenge uh, Varane and Martinez, Uh, and then 91st minute, or even before that, the last 10 minutes or so of the game, I would say that Palace started getting more chances. They started going for it more. United couldn't really bounce back with any changes, substitution and tactical-wise. And then uh, we had a moment of brilliance in the 91st from Elise on a free kick, bar down on De Gea. And even on the celebrations, it felt like Palace didn't feel like that was enough at the time, but United did just enough to hold on, and credit to Wambasaka stopped Wilfred Zaha on a last-second breakaway. Uh, the, the guy played 90-plus minutes this game. He's been playing in great form the last few weeks, yep. starting over to low. And for him to make that run in the 93rd, 94th minute to close down Zaha was showed te- a testament to how well he's been playing so far. So uh, tough for United here, trying to push on to secure that top four a little bit more. But uh, Crystal Palace having possibly the toughest run of games so far this year out of anybody is is holding their own a bit yeah for sure i mean this is it is crazy uh basaka did have a, a fantastic game um it it's kind of mental to me because like Dallow's not even named in the in the team sheet is he is he injured like what's going on yeah i'm not entirely sure what was going on i think it started with like him being ill and then yeah. it turned into something else but yeah they're just saying he's he's just not included in the squad there's no implications of illness or injury i think it just comes down to ten hog trusting Juan basaka right now i think that's totally fair i mean Juan basaka is in great form you have to trust your players when they are in good form um had a bit of a nightmare the the following week we'll get into that but or the following fixture I, yeah it, it is kind of crazy because dallow had such a good world cup i mean he was really really good um and and now he's he's not even in the team i don't i think you know obviously you can't blame this one on on the defense i think um just a really tough break there at the end rub of rub of the pitch um when elise scored that it was a sensational goal we should say but it's tough for united to not walk away with three points here i do think that they played well enough um statistically not not one of their you know, best games, but they did manage four shots on target. They held the held the possession pretty well, and I think they moved the ball around uh, quite well. Rashford continually uh, impressing me. The one thing that I think we have to talk about is Anthony. I think maybe it's time to to get Anthony out of the starting lineup. He did get subbed off here, but I'd like to see somebody else get a chance. I'd like to see Alongo or maybe even I mean Garnacho plays on the left typically, but. Even Garnacho, um, you know, getting a starting role because Anthony has been a complete flop in my opinion. A couple of good goals, you know, a good goal earlier this season against Arsenal, but outside of that, I think he's been extremely mediocre. 
Yeah, they also have your your favorite signing from last year in Jane Sancho. That's yeah. right. That's right. He's not even in the team either because they had to send him to the Netherlands to learn how to play football again. Yeah, so maybe that's a long-term thing. Maybe he's going to ride the rest of the year with these guys, and I think they need to secure Garnacho on a long-term deal. They got Real Madrid and other teams searching or lurking around to sign him. Yeah. So I think it'll come in due time. He's still 18 years old. He's got the pre-Ronaldo type of deal with his teeth and the hair thing and all that going on. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see what that how that goes on. But yeah, it was a tough, tough point. Two points to drop here away, yeah. but. Yeah, they they moved on, and the test wasn't any easier come Arsenal. That's absolutely right. Okay, let's move on. Manchester City 4, Tottenham 2. Despite a very, very solid performance in the first half and two goals right before the halftime whistle, Tottenham fall to Manchester City. A beautiful effort by Riyad Mahrez in the second half. Dejan Kulisevsky scored in the 44th, and then Emerson Royale, not somebody you'd expect to be on the score sheet, uh, scored in stoppage time in the first half. City came out guns blazing. Uh, they looked much, much better in the second half. A very flat perfor- performance in the first half. Alvarez scored in the 51st. Holland scored just two minutes later in the 53rd. And then Riyad Mahrez took over, scored in the 63rd, got an insurance goal in the 90th. This is the most damning um, explanation of Spurs all season long. They have been a second-half team that go down, and then they score rapidly, typically, uh, in the second half. And now this is the, the you know this is the game where they go up two nil against one of the best teams in the league. Um, at this point, second best team, and then just absolutely crumble. I have no idea what happened back there. Romero, Dyer, and Davis, it's it's coming back to that point now where I'm like, I don't know if if Dyer and Ben Davies are at, are truly, you know, long-term solutions there. Uh but like I I just don't understand this. I don't understand how you can go up 2-0 and then f- just crumble that much. I know City are a offensive powerhouse they have strength off the bench they have strength in every single position but this is this is just bad and Loris again just very very bad I think we have to see Loris out of the team we've got to see Forster in here um and we've just we, we've got to get a little bit more out of out of Sun because his drop off this season has been exponential and it is truly killing Spurs yeah, I think they're they showed their hand a little too early in the first half, as you mentioned, not what we typically see from this Tottenham team. And even the two goals they did get were in very odd positions. You saw the the first goal, Harry Kane getting the ball down the line. It was going out of bounds. It was a moment of determination. He kept the ball in with Akanji, who didn't put in the best of challenges, and sweeps it across for Kulisevsky there. And then a minute later, uh, Ederson with a poor decision to We've seen this mistake a lot of the times from half the goalies in this league where it's a build-out-of-the-back orientation type deal and they play it into the holding mid who's getting absolutely pressed up the bum and loose loose touch, 1-2, and Royale gets a little header in off a rebound from Kane. So it was really odd there. I never counted City out. I remember when that second goal went in, though. Put my hands on my head, looked back at Zach and was just really confused. I didn't know what was going on from City here, but I just knew deep down that they are always a team, even if they're down three goals, that they'll definitely get back in the game, one or two goals. And, and like you mentioned already, 
it did happen. The big boys stepped up. We saw Alvarez get a goal here. Nice to see from him. And they just rolled on. But you do see the weakness points in this team in yeah. the back for City. You see if you can just hold on a bit. It's a, a lot of people have said that. City push everything out in the first 45. They try to outwork you and just tire you out. So in the second half, it's more free and more time on the ball to do things. And the other team's just tired from the first half, still trying to recover. But um, the last thing I'll say on the Sun deal, uh, it comes down to, I think, the wingbacks not being able to get into higher higher positions like they have been in the past few seasons. Uh, He has to pick up more positions uh, further out wide away from Kane, where he can't link up as much. He hasn't been doing well in the one-on-one positions out wide. He always needs a supporting guy there to link up with as much. So we saw him later in the week. He did pick up an assist, but it's uh, it's not anywhere near his production last year where he was joint gold, golden boot winner. Yeah, and he, he is a player that is capable of so much, and I think that's why we're so hard on him. That's why Spurs fans are so hard on him because we know what sort of individual brilliance he's capable of. I mean, the guy scores bangers. He was clinical. Now he's just like a deer in headlights, you know, standing in front of the net when he does get the ball. He either blows it wide, blows it over, or just doesn't even get his foot uh, wrapped all the way around the ball. So I know I'm an Arsenal fan, and you don't really wish good things. You're not supposed to wish good things uh, for Tottenham players, but you know, Son is is a fantastic player, and I do hope that he he sort of figures it back out because it would be a huge waste of talent uh, if this is a season where he just totally falls off a cliff. And we have seen that before with other really good players, so I'm hoping that's not the case uh, for Sonny. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the next game we move on to the Saturday slate. Start off Liverpool hosting Chelsea, uh, the game that. None of us got right. Yeah. I should set our records for the last week. I forgot to say that. Uh, Evan and I went four and eight. Zach went five and seven. So another dead of a week. Slowly trickling down in that percentage. But this game, I mean, if we recorded this episode after the Sunday or Saturday after this game, yeah, I don't know what I would have said. Just pure rage and animosity. And then... I've calmed down over the past couple days and just had to reflect and listen to other people's opinions on it and mix it in with my own. And it became more positive. But on the day, nil-nil, uh, literally nothing happened in the first half. We came out, Lewis Hall in the midfield with Jorginho, played Gallagher in advanced position with Havertz and Mount in there, who I'm unsure about Mount's future here. I don't know if we can live without him with the amount of people coming in that potentially can just replace him. So that's a different conversation, but both teams look like they didn't want to win the game at times. They're playing safety or safely. Even in a Liverpool's lineup, their midfield of Thiago Keita and uh, Bechetek, not impressive. Um, I was never worried that we were going to concede. And at the same time, I was always thinking we could get one, but... It didn't come out happen. It didn't happen until the fifty fifth, where a new signing, Michaela Mudrick, came on and changed the entire game. We saw the difference in Liverpool's back line, how they set up with him out there. Milner was playing in a more reserved position. We saw a few times him getting the open field. Milner had to take him out. 
Yeah. Same thing happened with Trent. We saw Trent in a deep position as well. I just didn't understand with the build up from Chelsea that we have to take the extra two to three touches where it can just be turn and go, send it to the pace, and we'll we'll cut we'll uh, step up in our blocks to help and get up there to support. So it was it was nice to see a different player with a different style come in. Yeah, it is changed the entire game. Uh, he hasn't played competitively since like November in the Ukrainian league with his winter break. Also, Ukraine not being in the World Cup, so he's had a lot of time to himself trying to get back in the in the flow. And Liverpool had to adjust a bit, and we made our changes here and there. Bamian came on. Did nothing as P came on just to hold the game. And Chuko Mecca had a moment in the dying embers of the game. Utrecht sent him in, and he had a moment where his legs became jelly and he just fell over himself. So it was really frustrating. There's nothing really to break down because there was no moments until Mujic came on, really. And yeah. even for even for Liverpool, I mean, I was seeing Robertson pick up striker position roles at times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was all over the place. I don't, I don't know. You, I don't know where you can pick up with what you saw here, but it's just a lot of things going on from both sides. I mean, what I see, like what I see on the Liverpool side is that tactically, it's it's kind of a mess right now. Uh, like you mentioned, the positioning is off, like way, way, way off. Gakpo has not been the sort of player that they maybe thought he would be in there at striker. Shots in the game here, like five shots over the bar. Yeah, I know. It's he's just. I don't know. It's just not working right now for him. I think he'll he'll he will figure it out. There's only you know so much like you can see from a player like that before they just turn it around. He is very 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 good. Um, but this is what happens sort of when when young players move into the prem. Like we saw with Mudrik. I do actually think he'll be good. By the way, for Chelsea, um, but my man got fucking crunched twice. Like absolutely mangled. The level of physical play in the Prem is way, way, way different than you're going to get, um, let's say, in the Ukrainian League or even in France or Spain. Um, Italy, I think, is a physical league as well, but it's it's tough, dude. It's really tough to uh, to make a huge impact in your first game. Uh, and I think Mudrik actually did do a very, very good job of... Um, you know, exhibiting what he has to offer for this team. And I think that's what you want to do in your first game, especially when you're that young. Uh, the other thing I'll say tactically for Chelsea is seeing Gallagher sort of playing a little bit more centrally, I think is is a good sign. He will he will be a part of this team moving forward. Um, I think he's so much better in the center of the park. He is one of the players that can often take a few too many touches, but I think he's really, really good going forward and picking, you know, up some of that, that slack that Mount has left this season, which has been substantial because he's been so good the past two years, player of the season, um, is good. It's good to see Gallagher do that. Chelsea just don't have everything figured out right now. Uh, Cucurella, I don't think needs to be in this team. I think that's a player that they probably need to sell on or, or find something else for him to do positionally because he's not, he's just not going to be good there at, at left wing back in this Chelsea system, it seems. And then Ziak playing wing back is like, you know, what are we talking about here? Um, so Potter will figure it out. I just don't know how long it's going to take. And I think a nil nil. Until everybody from the injury list gets yeah, back. Yeah, of course. So 
I think a nil-nil for Chelsea is fine. Um, it's a better point for them. A nil-nil for Liverpool at the you know the point that they're at with the system that they've had installed here for this long is is not great against uh, a struggling Chelsea team. Yeah, I would say one last thing. I'm very optimistic with how the team's going to look going forward when Felix gets back with Mudrick out there. We have the McKelly coming in from PSV. There's a lot of good young talent that's going to come into this team, and I think some people are going to have to bite the bullet and maybe mount Havertz a bit. There's links with him going to Bayern. Um, yeah. it's, I love Batty Ishii the last two games. He's been playing very well in um, in place of Koulibaly, who potentially might be out the door. So I think Graham's finally getting these guys involved. Gallagher as well, you mentioned. He's not the sharpest around uh, his entire game, but at the baseline, he's got the work rate and the the desire to put in put in the the hard work and just absolutely go out there and play for the badge. So I'm definitely starting to see signs in the right direction. Uh, we're in tenth still, but only seven points out from fifth and two from sixth. So it's not the end of the season. Obviously, we talked about the title race and. The, the race for European football as well is still not over. So I think it's like uh, it's like NBA, March Madness type deal. I think it depends on what time of the year you go on that run. And I think we're starting, we're going to hit that point at the perfect time in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Leicester City 2, Brighton 2. A moment of individual brilliance from Karu. Matoma saw Brighton take the lead early, but Mark Albrighton struck back in the 38th. It was 1-1 heading into halftime. Harvey Barnes added a goal for himself in the 63rd, but in the 88th, Evan Ferguson, uh, uh, just he's been great the past three weeks, scored in the 88th, leveled it up, 2-2, point for each side. Um, this is, is nuts, man. I think... Brighton are going to feel a little bit hard done by not taking three points in this one. Uh, probably shouldn't have conceded that goal in the 63rd, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they've been pretty watertight, I feel. They had a fantastic result against Liverpool 3-0 where they were able to hold all of their players, uh, you know, goalless. I think to let two goals in here uh, against the Leicester City side who have been terrible and are almost in the drop zone or in the drop zone, I haven't looked at the table, is tough, uh, especially when you have players like Caicedo and Duncan Stupignon and Gross who've all been playing really, really well. But they'll take the point. Um, Welbeck has looked okay. I was a little bit uh, peeved to not see Evan Ferguson get the start because he has been amazing for them. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. That that comes down to Deserby, who is still doing a really good job managing this side so i don't really know if we can blame him and then on the lester side this is a much better performance getting a few goals here they get a goal off the bench and then they get uh, a goal from barnes who started at left mid it is challenging uh to see dewsbury hall lining up with jamie vardy i just don't think you know you're going to get a ton out of either of them at this point vardy is finally starting to show his age Dewsbury Hall has a couple of goals on this season, but isn't a player that you can expect to bag 10 to 15. And Leicester are just in a really tough spot. It seems to me that they need a change in manager. Brendan Rodgers, I think the experiment is over. And I think they'll probably retain him until the end of the season, but I can absolutely see them 
uh, being a team that that are looking for for a new manager come next season. Yeah, this was the first point they they earned in the league since uh, pre pre World Cup uh, back in November or November twelfth over West Ham. So they were on a big losing streak there for a while, and like you mentioned, they did go up. And this was a game that I saw bits of, and I was surprised they were beating Brighton at times. Um, I thought Brighton would be able to open them up a bit more. But uh, you saw the difference in Welbeck from Ferguson as you were going on about. And it just you definitely see the difference in play. Obviously, Ferguson's a lot younger, but his size is uh, a compliment in a way to this team. He can hold up the ball a little bit better. Uh, Matoma has been sensational well the way he holds the ball i think in japan they have universities specifically for soccer football and uh he's just studied the game uh heavily and it's shown in his play he he's got a high percentage dribble rate his touches on the ball is uh, the highest in the attacking area for a lot of teams and he's willing to put in a defensive work rate as well so He's been a bright spot for them after they had to move on from Trissard, who decided to go to Arsenal. And yeah, a point shared here is good for both teams in a way. Uh, yeah. Brighton's still overachieving a bit. They they do have a game or two in hand on uh, the teams around them, so potentially they can still push on to close the gap to that top four. But I think they're they're still in a good position here where they're not dealing with fair, fairly any injuries to the squad like most of the other teams around them are, but it's uh it's a step in the it may be a step back dropping a point here, but or dropping two points, but um they're still in in a good position. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not when it comes to maybe losing Caicedo here in in the yeah. in the window. <laughs> yeah, it might not be great. Uh, the next game I have here is is a thriller one one Bournemouth not in Forest. We saw Nottingham Forest go up early in the first half here, grinding Yates goal. Uh, later, Vard off due to Willie Bolly being off sides on the free kick. A uh, big swing in momentum there where a few minutes later, Bournemouth go up the other end. Jaden San- San- Anthony gets a goal whipped in from new signing uh, Dango Atuari. From, uh, they signed him from Laurent in, in Ligue 1. We saw that that result hold until the 84th minute, where a former Bournemouth player scored for Nottingham Forest and Sam Search, and the game ended 1-1. So Nottingham Forest get their third away goal of the year, and they earn a point, which was surprising. I did think Forest controlled the game a little bit more than Bournemouth here. They definitely have figured out their their way of playing a lot better, uh, a lot faster, I should say, than Bournemouth have. After free falling for a bit, this is their first point. Like like Leicester in a long time, uh, a loss here would have put them in a very deep position in the relegation zone. But they earn a point here that can help them move forward. It, they would have liked to hold the result here in the win because their next few games are pretty bad in in uh, Brighton, Newcastle, and Wolves. Following that is City and Arsenal. So they're going into a gauntlet here where they needed all three points, but. They'll have to do with the one and hopefully can earn a few more results here and there. Yeah, I mean, this is ugly. It's one that I don't even <clears throat> want to dig into. Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, I just have absolutely zero love in my heart uh, for either of these teams. Forest, newly promoted, and then Bournemouth uh, also just like 
just so mid, bro. Just just nothing. There's nothing on that team that, that moves the needle for me. Nottingham Forest, I guess at least they brought in like 30 players this year. Uh, I do enjoy watching uh, Morgan Gibbs-White. I think he's he's very, very good. Uh, if they can retain him for the next few seasons, I don't know what his contract situation looks like at all. Uh, but if they can retain him and you know keep him in the center of the park, I think that's a player um, that can sort of be your talisman because he has been very, very good in the absence uh, of Jesse Lingard, who just hasn't done anything for them this year. Uh, so one, one, you know, not, not bad, especially for Nottingham Forest who are in 13th, they're on 21 points. They're four points clear of the drop. You never know, uh, a bad run of form could certainly drop them down, but I'm sure Bournemouth, uh, would have wanted to take three points from this one. No doubt about it. Yeah. Gibbs White's contract ends in 2027. So so cool. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if another team would come knocking for him. Like I could see West Ham, uh, I, well, kind of tough for West Ham right now, but West Ham or Everton, that's a that's a sort of player that I think would be in their price range. And we'll move on to that game next. West Ham 2, Everton 0. Two goals from Jared Bowen in this one is the deciding factor. Uh, West Ham take all three points, a much-needed three points. And then following this match, Super Frank out the door, sacked, yep. unfortunately. Matt, Matt and I just talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, do they have to keep the faith in Frank or what? Uh, and unfortunately, Farad Mashiri was not interested uh, in doing that. So farewell to Frank. Uh, it was nice to see you in your second stint. I'm sure Frank will be back. That is, This is not the end of his career. Uh, I can assure you that. But, uh, you know, farewell. Tough, 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 tough for uh, for Big Frank. But uh, in this game, Jared Bowen sort of erupted, uh, came out of a, a serious slump, two goals in this one, one in the 34th, one in the 41st. He looked great. The rest of the team looked pretty average outside of Rice, who who puts in a good shift pretty much every game. On the Everton side, it's not looking good. Andre Onana, one of those players that other teams are knocking for. Even Arsenal have inquired about Andre Onana. Calvert. Lewin has been in. He hasn't done hardly anything. Damari Gray's trailed off a little bit, and then Iwobi's back, but uh, didn't make much of an uh, impact in this game either. This is just, it's tough, because Everton don't have any sort of talisman player. We thought maybe it would be Anthony Gordon, but even there, I mean, we're we're seeing lots of abuse being hurled at Anthony Gordon, and things are just very, very dark at Everton Football Club right now. Four losses in the last five for the Toffees. They've only got one point to show in their last five fixtures. West Ham, uh, four points in their last five games, and finally out of the drop. Yeah, going into this game, there were there were talks of West Ham saying if Moyes didn't win, he was out. Uh, so it turned out to be what we thought it'd be. It'd be a lose-and-go-home type deal. So Moyes buys himself another two weeks, potentially. Uh I think Jared Bowen stepping up is massive. We've talked about him being a ghost this whole year, and now that's what happens when you can get your talisman players to get involved in the game and be a part of it. You can see in the result column here. So good for them. Everton, like you mentioned, have a lot of question marks going forward now with their new manager coming in, whoever that may be. Uh was looking on free co- on the coaching market right now. You have uh, Bielsa, I think, leading the way, yep. potentially coming in. There, you have Rafa available. I don't think that would happen. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other managers that at this level might come in. I mean, we did see Carlo Ancelotti take this job at one point, which was the weird one, but yeah. I don't see anybody of that level coming to take this job. We, we've we always talked about Sean Dyche. So I think they can narrow it down to at least three, and it's going to be tough because that first game back is against Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a manager bounce in the play uh, or if it continues on. So... Uh, it's Arsenal and Liverpool, so it's the whoever comes to take this job couldn't have a tougher time in getting their their job going. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, let's move on. We had mine's a little bit different. Southampton and Aston Villa, I think. Yeah, that's ones. This was a weird one. We saw a stoppage in play in the first half yep. due to a drone. Uh huh being flown so there was a nine minute delay or something like that um didn't know if they had, they had any emp grenades in the ground <laughs> too i don't know how they go about that when it comes to police work i don't know if there's way yeah you do you shoot them down there's emp waves that you can use to shoot them down yeah because I, I was trying to figure out like if somebody was flying it from the parking lot or a nearby condominium or something i don't know so the premier league isn't about free free uh video of the game um but yeah the result went in villa's way here one nil ollie Watkins in the 77th minute wasn't sure if he was going to play in this game due to picking up an injury in the previous match uh they had we did see a controversial var goal ruled out for southampton in the first half mm-hmm. uh there was a slight nudge in the back on a ball whipped into the back post uh southampton player does have the motion of extending his arm, pushing Jacob Ramsey in the back, but to me, it seemed really light, and Ramsey sold it a bit. I would have let the goal stand, but the referee, referee, referee looking back at it deemed it not to be, and it swung the momentum in Villa's favor here, and Southampton continued their awful run at home uh, after picking up a massive win uh, previously against Everton. It wasn't meant to be here. And then yesterday they lost their first leg in the League Cup against Newcastle 1-0. Yeah. A very, very dirty game. We saw hard right hard done there. by there as well in that one. Yeah, another another decision on VAR yep. uh, that helped them and also hurt them in that game. But Nathan Jones, there were some things you can say they did well here. Um, Unai Emery is just... Unai Emery and Aston Villa are really flying under the radar. I think not a lot of people are talking about them. They have yeah. three wins in the last four, uh, the other being a draw. They're only one point behind the pack in Liverpool and Chelsea. They're improving their goal differential. They're holding clean sheets. Uh, their last their last uh, four games in the league, they have two clean sheets. And they're getting results over teams that they should be as well. So... This is a team that is cleaning up the books. They got rid of Danny Ings to West Ham. We saw him play in that previous game Evan talked about against Everton. Yep. They're 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 figuring out uh, new guys coming in. We saw Alex Marino get the start here, playing in front of Digne, who picked up a bit of a knock. And Buendia is heavily involved in this team now. We're not seeing him get rotated in and out with with Coutinho. So I think he's figured out quickly. Uh, like a manager should, his the way he wants to play, the players that can do it, and they haven't really been active in the market, so he's doing a great job so far. Yeah, um, it is kind of wild, you know. I I watched a majority of this game. Um, I watched the first half, like first thirty minutes, then flicked it off. 
uh, and then went back. I actually caught the Ollie Watkins goal, but it is kind of crazy to see like Villa are just so much more structured uh, under under Unai Emery, and I got to see Arsenal under Unai Emery, and it was that was not the case. I just think maybe it's because we didn't have a great team, but uh, this defense is really really sort of stepping up. I know Southampton aren't a team that provide a ton of attack outside of Ward Prowse, really. Um, but but the Aston Villa defense was up for the task. Mings has looked good. Ezri Kant has looked good as well. It's mental to me that they're able to get any sort of performance out of Ashley Young at his age, but he's been all right. Um, yeah, I mean, it does help to have a, a world-class keeper at this point. I think we all sort of agree that Emmy Martinez is, is a fantastic keeper, especially after what he did at the World Cup. Uh, but nobody's really talking about it, including us. This is the, the first mention, you know, really of Aston Villa overperforming this season. They've got three wins on their last five and certainly looked impressive in a game where they should get all three points. So good on them for, uh, for getting everything there. <clears throat> okay. I believe our next game is Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. This one, a nil, nil. Just absolute madness uh, how good the Newcastle defense is. Dan Byrne, Sven Botman, Fabian Schar, and Kieran Trippier just do not let in goals. I believe this team has not conceded a goal in the Premier League since October, if I recall correctly. That 12 clean sheets of the year. Yeah, that's, that's fucking insane. This team is so good in possession and defensively. Things have dried up a bit on the goal-scoring front with Almiron and Jolinton both sort of fizzling out uh, over the past three or four weeks. But, man, if you can continue to defend and just not let goals in against teams that are hungry and have individual talent like this Palace side, you are going to go far in this league. Nil-nil, Newcastle take a point here. They, they've got—what's that? <clears throat> Nine points in their last— uh, five matches, three draws, two wins, and I mean, this is—it's—it's it's truly amazing. It's so marvelous to watch, despite the fact that they do sort of play like rats. Um, yeah. What well, I mean, what do you think about this one? This is just crazy to me. Yeah, the last goal they conceded in the league was on November sixth. November a four-one okay. win over Southampton. So it's—it's it's been great. It's—it's it's defense wins championships. It's that mentality there that Eddie Howe has been going. You can see, I've been seeing uh, clips from their locker room, the the previous League Cup win they had, where Dan Burns scored a goal. They saw the post-game, him dancing and stuff. It's weird seeing a man 6-7 dance the way he did. He was doing the a Fortnite dance, um, mm-hmm. the Orange Justice. And yeah, there's just a great camaraderie in that team with players brought in in the new regime and also the old players that, Everybody was slating off, and you know Almiron, uh, with your boy Longstaff, Joe Willock, who before was holding them up, keeping them in the league, and now he's a cog in hope, hopefully keeping them in in the top four race. So, and and as well as uh, Joe Joe Ellington getting pushed from a striker position to a central mid uh, to an out wide guy, it's uh, incredible to see. And the depth they have on the bench isn't the best, but. It works in this team in St. Max. We're seeing him slowly get more implemented, uh, as well as Isak. He's retained in there with Wilson. So it's a, it's a great thing. 
obviously, if they want to improve even more, they need to increase in the goal column. Um, they've only given up 11, which is the best in the league, but to compete with Arsenal and, and Man City, who have scored 45 and 53, uh, respectively, Newcastle only on 33, and that's why they're 11 points back from Arsenal and 6 from Man City. It just comes down to that killer instinct in front of the box and able to put yourself in those positions to win these games, especially against a team like Crystal Palace, who seem to be a lot of teams' bogey team, but also a team that you can rip apart if you can get an early lead on them. So it was uh, boring in the scoreline, but there was tactical battles going out throughout the pitch here. For sure. Uh, the next one, now we're jumping to the last three games. We have Leeds, Brentford, uh, speaking of nil-nil, is another one here. Uh, and this one had the, the atmosphere and the vibe that it was going to be like a 3-3 barn burner, but it wasn't meant to be. And Leeds really dominated this game. I watched this one a bit more than I did the Man City Wolves one going on at the same time. Leeds really went for it. They They gave it everything they possibly could. Uh, Willie Nanto through the middle yeah. has been improving week in and week out, only 18. Aronson hasn't played as well as he did towards the start of the year. He's leveling out a bit. Tyler Adams obviously running the midfield, uh, stopping problems before they can even become anything big. Uh, we saw the league debut, I think, of Wobber, the new center back they got. <laughs> yep. uh, they also had a I don't think he played in this game, but the, the striker and rudder, they haven't, they haven't given him a chance in the league yet. They, they brought Bamford on instead. Uh, Sinister as well, back from a long-term injury, is in. So they're getting their players back, and it's really it's starting to go in their direction. Obviously, they haven't picked up a win in a long time. <laughs> Only four wins on the year. That last win um, in the league coming on November 5th against Bournemouth, where they definitely could have lost that in a 4-3 win, but... Brentford, on the other hand, it was a bit surprising. We saw Tooney really, really, really frustrated. He couldn't get any foothold in on the game. He couldn't get many touches on the ball. Uh, and the same thing going for all of his supportive players in Josh De Silva and uh, Brian and Buemo, too. Those guys really couldn't get anything going. The wingbacks were restricted a bit. Uh, and the only thing that held them in this game was the, the back line being as uh, strong and massive as they are, similar to the Newcastle back line. Uh, David Araya playing the season of his career bit, extended from the end of last year. He's got a lot of links potentially to go to bigger clubs come the end of the season. We'll see uh, at that point. But right now, they're in a great position in eighth above Liverpool and Chelsea and competing with the other overachievers in Brighton and Fulham. So it was a, it's a tough pill to swallow, more so for Leeds, because you know Jesse Marsh is doing the right things here. And he's doing it with limited resources and and a lot of players from the previous regime. But he's slowly getting more closer and closer there. And the club needs to hold the faith. And they just need to stay up again this year to take that next step and also get to that summer window for him to do even more business. Yeah, well, it's looking like they're about to get some business done before the end of January closes. Weston McKinney has agreed uh, personal terms with this side so leads at another american player they're gonna have all three of our uh midfielders you know probably our best three midfielders one an attacking mid one a holding mid and then one a cdm so uh 
I don't know. We'll see. It's up to Leeds and, and Juve to, to sign the contracts and make sure everything exchanges. But it does look like so far that Weston McKinney will be wearing a Leeds shirt. Uh, That's incredible. The next few weeks. It is crazy. They've got an American manager and now three American midfielders, which is shocking. But it's a sign of the times. You know, we, we do have players that are evolving and are good enough to play uh, in this league and, and Weston McKinney is a physical player. I think, I think he could do quite well here at Leeds, to be honest with you. So good to see. Um, I think that's a sort of player that can sub in there for, for Mark Roca or even play, uh, you know, in that, in the attacking roles and, and will be certainly serviceable uh, on the, on the Brentford side here. This is, it's an interesting performance from Brentford because it's very rare that you don't see, either Tony or Mbuemo sort of established themselves in a match. And this was one of those games where Tony, like you said, just could not uh, insert himself into the, the result here. He was, he was pretty ghostly. So unfortunate for Brentford. I think Leeds will be much happier uh, with the point here. Brentford are in eighth on 30 points. Leeds, you know, can take every single point that they get and be happy with it because they need to secure themselves in mid table instead of where they are right now, just a point clear of the drop. Okay. Our next match uh, is Manchester City 3, Wolves 0. A Erling Holland late first half, early second half hat trick was the difference in this one. A goal in the 40th, one in the 50th on a penalty, and then one in the 54th. Just 14 minutes for Erling the Norwegian Terminator to score three goals, seven shots on target for total for City, uh, just one for Wolves. They were unable to impose their will on a somewhat uh, flimsy, I would say, uh, City defense. Uh, they they held themselves pretty well here, just playing with three in the back. They look better with three in the back, don't they? I I thought they looked much much better with three in the back instead of you know playing. Uh, Cancelo, and then uh, Kyle Walker out on the right. This was this was better, shockingly. Yeah, it seems like Rico Lewis is the new starter uh, at this point in time in the season over Joao Cancelo, which for fantasy purposes, for whatever you play in, is hurting a lot of people. Um, and that's that's what you do with the city roulette. You never know who the hell is mm-hmm. going to get the run here. We now we see in. Grealish and Mara is getting more minutes instead. Previously, it was Bernardo Silva and Foden, and and you, you already mentioned there, and Lewis coming in instead of Walker and Cancelo there. So still no Ruben Diaz yet. He hasn't started again, so he's sticking with Akaji. We did see Laporte, and it's just one of those things where they just got the big man rolling. They got him going. They, the service was there. He put in the first. Wolves held out as much as they could, and it wasn't meant to be. The third goal was the worst. Uh, similar to the Tottenham City game where Ederson made a poor pass out of the back. That's what Saw did here. And it was even worse because there was nobody in the area. He just played it to Mares, who slipped in for Holland and easy tap in there for the hat trick. It was really hard to watch. And it really just killed the vibe of the entire game in the 54th. So yeah. um, it was a tough one to watch there for their sake. But for City to rally back here it seemed like it was going to be a tight one nil type deal the whole time and to just open it up there it was really nice job and uh credit to Mares. he's been in flying form lately and it's hard to see him coming out of this team and when he does it's going to be really questioning on uh pep but you already mentioned pep's one of the best in the world yeah absolutely true 
Okay. Um, I think we have just two more games here. You're up next, buddy. Take it away. Yeah, I think this is the last one, actually. We got Arsenal 3, Man United 2, game of the week. Easily. No, Fulham Tottenham, we didn't do. Oh, we didn't do that. Wait, where was that? Oh, that was the Monday game. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, Arsenal 3, United 2. Oh, wow. Uh, back, back and forth the entire time. We saw both managers going at it a bit there on the touchlines to with their teams, trying to shape them in the way they could. Uh, first goal came in the 17th minute. Marcus Rashford winning the ball. Quick interchange in place. Skins Partey uh, knuckles a ball in the bottom left corner perfectly. Started the game out well. Uh, didn't take long for Arsenal to answer there. Uh, Eddie Nketi in the 24th minute. Ball whipped in from Xhaka. Header back post. Uh, got got the Emirates going and really opened the game up. And it, it gave everybody watching a sense of enjoyment. It shows why we like the league. Two heavyweight teams going at it competing, not really holding back, and being conservative, and it was enjoyable to watch. Uh, and that was all the scoring for that half. There were moments here and there, but they held on to go into the halftime level. 46 minute, we saw a change there. Ben White came out for uh, Terika, uh, Tamiyasu. Uh, interesting there, because he picked up an early yellow card. Uh, second half, 53rd minute, Bukayo Saka. A moment of brilliance there. Yep. Just cuts in on the left. Every time I watch him do it, I just think of Aryan Robin for Bayern Munich. Yep. Uh, you just know where he's going to go. You know he has that left foot. He's just going to whip it in back post and knuckles in. Momentum in Arsenal's favor. And just like in the first half, only six minutes later, our Man United on a set piece. Ball whipped in. Bit of confusion there. Tamiyasu and Aaron's, uh, uh, sorry, Ramsdale going up for the same ball. Uh, punches it away, not far enough for <laughs> Lissandra Martinez, the butcher. I chipped it. Chip header yeah. over. Uh, man on the line couldn't couldn't get it out. I think it was Gabrielle. Yeah. Uh, couldn't clear it away and leveled it 2-2. And then we were back to similar to the first half. It's level. Both teams going at it. Changes here and there. Fred comes in for Anthony. And then a uh, new man, Trissard, comes in for Martinelli, 82nd. Has a few moments here and there, but 90th minute, controversial. Uh, Zinchenko potentially offside position, gets the ball, links up the play. Uh, ball whipped in, and Ketia back post, tap in. VAR came in, doesn't, was ruled a goal. They only looked at the ball played into Nketia, not the prior ball down to Zinchenko, which I thought that was what they were going to look at. That was a lot closer than the Nketia ball. Yeah. And I think that rule went so quick. I I don't think they even checked that to be because I thought this game was going to be a draw. Nah, it was quick, bro, really quick. It it was a little suspect to me. I was really confused. Um, but but yeah, fair dues to Arsenal. They deserve the win. And it was it was a moment where you see in the past five years here where this is a game Liverpool. This is a Liverpool type game. This is a Man City type game. And this is a game that I think you can stamp, you can mark it in the calendar uh, being a potential result that got you to win the title, potentially. Yeah. Um, so it was incredible. And all all due credit to Enketia, the guy at the beginning of the year gets on his number. Yeah, that made me last... sick. And now I'm like, damn, we have to stamp it. it. Even the, the end of last year, we saw... Him not getting the most 
play time there behind Lacazette and Aubameyang. We saw him struggling in, in moments to be involved in games. And now he steps in for Jesus, big signing, comes in. And, I mean, he's got he's got four goals there now um, in three separate games, two big ones there against Man United. I mean, you can't take anything away from him. It's really hard to put slack on him. Yeah. and to have him in there and then when Jesus comes back I mean you you couldn't feel any better right now can you No I here's the thing I I'm a bit conflicted because Enketia has been a better finisher truly than than uh than Jesus and I think Saka is able to impose his will on the game better when Jesus is not on the pitch the spacing is better for Martinelli when Jesus plays so it's a bit of a trade-off. I think Arsenal are going to to sort of enter the era of having multiple options at striker. Yeah, I, this feels strange to me. Uh, we had we sort of had it when we had Lacazette and Aubameyang, but I think Enketia and and Gabriel Jesus are just massive upgrades. They're both pretty young. Um, and Ketia has been fantastic finishing. Jesus is is obviously prolific in his own right, but it's more of a spacer than anything else. Like, I have no idea what what Mikel's going to do if he's just going to ease Jesus back in. Uh, but it seems like we have at least another month before Jesus is back. So, uh, while Enketia is hot, we just have to continue to to support him as fans and hope that he's able to continue this run of form because. It, because it has been nothing short of sensational. And this is a United team and defense that played extremely well outside of one error. Uh, Juan Bissaka got rinsed. But, man, this this is a good team. United are, I will say, like, I do feel that they are back. Uh, the one thing you need they need to fix is, is Anthony. And, you know, they have a solid midfield now. Casemiro has been amazing for them. Their defense looks much, much better. Martinez has really uh, settled into this role. Obviously, a great finish here. Varane looks good. Uh, kind of crazy to see Wout, Weg- Wout Veghorst starting uh, for United in 2023 in an unbelievably important match. But, you know, they're trying stuff. They're, they're at least trying things. They're trying to figure it out. Ten Hag has certainly sort of implemented his plan. I give all the props in the world to United in this game. They played really, really well, just faltered at the end. Uh, I think Arsenal deserved the three points, but I wouldn't have been upset if United took a point from this one. They were very, very good. Yeah, and we got to remember Casemiro was suspended from this game. He picked up that last yellow um, on the deadline of the resetting of the cards. So you had McTominay starting in there. Um, Do you think the game goes differently? Casemiro's in there instead of McTominay. Yeah, I do. I think it's I think it's much slower. That game opened up a lot, and Casemiro is such a boss in the middle of the park. I just don't think the game is nearly as open. I don't think the distribution to our wings is as good because Casemiro breaks play up so much better, and he would have had you know a really really um, busy day controlling Odegaard for sure. But he, I think he does a much better job of that than than Scott McTominay because. Odegaard, despite not scoring here in this game, just creates this illusion of space. Um, even when there isn't space, you know that he's pretty much able to make whatever pass he wants. And if he's not going to pass it, he's going to be able to beat you with his feet. So um, 
Yeah, I think McTominay had a really tough day at the office trying to control Odegaard and worry about Xhaka, who him and himself had a really, really good game here as well. So, you know, it's it's tough, but I do think if United had Casemiro, uh, this game would have gone differently. I, I think Arsenal probably get one point instead of three. Yeah, and I also think that it also... Um, Casemiro not being in there makes Erickson have to play more defensive. Yes, for sure. And puts him in more vulnerable positions. So, yeah, all around it was an incredible game. And uh, it set up the, the Monday game there. Okay. Fulham nil, Tottenham one. A goal from Harry Kane, one of their own, in stoppage time of the first half was the deciding factor in this one. Fulham, despite their best efforts, not able to get one of their five shots on target, go into the back of the net. Tottenham escape with three points, a sweaty three points, but a good assist from Son, a good finish from Kane. They move on, get out of Craven Cottage, uh, still alive for a top four spot. Yeah, um, I don't know why, but I just feel like watching Tottenham now, it's like they never fully look like they earn. They don't look like they deserve the win a bit. I don't know what it is. No, they scraped. Like, they scraped by. Yeah, it seems like it's a mid-table type thing where they just get that one goal and just box it in and just play safe. Uh, There were things where the back line you could have taken advantage of. Uh, We saw Benson Core back in the team here. He... Didn't look at his best, but you saw the improvement from the other three guys they've had in there. Mitrovic couldn't get anything on target in this game. That seems to be a reoccurring theme. They they whip in low chance balls just to him on three guys, and he's always fading away, and the ball just goes over the bar. Uh, William couldn't get anything going. He's been in decent form of late, but couldn't produ- produce anything in this game. The wingbacks did all right. Anthony Robinson and Keddy Tete, they're always going to be active going forward, but couldn't provide anything clear for the for the Fulham players to finish. So it was one that I thought would go in Fulham's way. Maybe that's us being too optimistic on the season so far for them. They are sitting in seventh there, but they lost two games in a row now. They lose to, they lose to Newcastle 1-0, and now they lose to Tottenham 1-0, but... Those are teams that are above them, so potentially we should have known that. So yep. we'll see in, in their next game. They have to play Chelsea again, uh, a team that should have a f- one or two players back. We get Mudrik in better form and put, could put them under more questions this time, or it could go the same. So interesting on their their end, but Spurs really needed this win bad after the City result. It was, there was a lot of questions going on, and I think Antonio Conte is body language or whatever there's just (laughs) this is it for him he's not he's done with the whole tottenham show with levy and it's levy he's just a cunt isn't he he's he's just a cheap fucker it's bad he doesn't want to spend any money they they got arno danjuma did you see that they hijacked that yeah he's been linked with a lot of clubs specifically everton Everton. i just i don't know because they already brought in richarlson this year for 60 and they locked down kulisevsky at the beginning of the year so they're they're upgrading those ranks. It'll be interesting to see what usage he has, but Everton definitely could have used him 10 times more for their purpose. But 
Interesting there. Um, we'll see. Now we have a break here in the in the league. We got league league cup games going on uh, this in the midweek, and we have FA Cup this weekend. We already mentioned City Arsenal. That one's going to be on Friday. Uh, a tough match there potentially to for either side related or in that result could see it go to pens but um yeah the next game's not until next friday like i said fulham chelsea so i think the next one will be a transfer window review we have the deadline next tuesday i think so we'll try to come back next wednesday on the first of the month recap all the business done any updates potentially that could push the team on to get out of whatever situation they're in or elevate them into a position of European play. Uh, and then we'll get right back into the predictions. So a little bit of a break here should be nice for us, but we got uh, Eagles on Sunday in the NFC Championship game, so got to prep for that. Yeah, that's right. So no predictions, right, for this week? Or do we have predictions? No, no predictions this week. Unfortunate. A... I won't have anything to watch at work. Pain. Yeah, I mean, is there any? There's no basketball or there's well at night there is, but during the day I'll just have to watch golf. Saturday, that Tory Pines, the farmer, is actually closes on a Saturday this week instead of Sunday because they move it. So it starts today. They tee off today for round one, and it's four rounds still, but they move it so they don't have to compete. Um, you know, like the the back nine on Sunday. It usually be on Sunday. It's on Saturday, so they don't have to compete with the NFL. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just golf, I guess. Um. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes, uh, of the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you guys next week, um, for the transfer recap and and preview. Take care. We'll see you soon.